you're listening to episode eight of You Are Not A Frog. Emotions and vulnerability, friend or foe. Welcome to You Are Not A Frog, the podcast for GPs, hospital doctors and other busy people in high stress jobs. Working in today's high stress environment, you may feel like a frog in boiling water. Things have heated up so slowly that you might not have noticed the extra long days becoming the norm. You've got used to feeling constantly busy and are often one crisis away from not coping. Let's face it, frogs only have two choices, to stay in the pan and get boiled alive or to hop out and leave. But you are not a frog and that's where this podcast comes in. You have many more choices than you think you do. There are simple changes that you can make which will make a huge difference to your stress levels and help you enjoy life again. I'm your host, Dr. Rachel Morris, GP turned executive coach and specialist in resilience at work. I'll be talking to friends, colleagues and experts, all who have an interesting take on this so that together we can take back control to survive and really thrive in our work and lives. I'd like to tell you about our new CPD forms. If you want to learn while you listen and claim CPD points, then go to the link in the show notes and sign up to receive our fully downloadable podcast CPD forms. Each one is populated with show notes and links so that you can listen, reflect and then note down what you're going to do. A quick, easy and enjoyable way to do your CPD. In this podcast, I'm chatting with the third eye doctor, Dr. Haida Al-Hakim. We talk about all sorts of things, including using your emotions in a crazy world and the stressful lives that doctors lead. Please note that this episode does contain some strong language. So it's really great to have on my podcast today, Dr. Haida Al-Hakim, otherwise known as the third eye doctor. Haida, do you want to introduce yourself as well? Oh, Rachel, thank you so much. How long have we got? Because <laughs> well, I know you wear loads of different hats. So tell us what some of them are. Okay, so father, son, ophthalmologist, speaker, writer. And yeah, I mean, for me, I, you know, because I have so many different hats, I sort of wear the hat that's most appropriate in every situation. And I think I'm a bit of a social chameleon or a, an interacting chameleon. And I think that's really helpful. But, you know, I love emotional intelligence and I think I'm a practitioner of, of the power of emotion. I think that's really powerful. So I'll say I, I'm, I'm a total empath, actually. So I'm a bit of a, like a, a studier of empath, which is a bit of a problem, actually, because, you know, you encounter people who are sort of aggressive and angry and frustrated. And I feel that in myself. <laughs> when I'm sort of interacting with people, which is quite, you know, daunting, really, because yeah. you can tune in to other people's emotion. Transference, you know, isn't it, when, when you start yeah. to feel what they're feeling? Yeah, and, and, you know, given that we're in the caring profession, you know, you're sort of met with all kinds of stressed out people, vulnerable people. So it's sort of dealing with all these negative emotions, which is why, you know, doctors per se are burnt out. I did a talk recently at Moorfields and I said that the default is that doctors are stressed and burnt out. You know, that's a default situation. Mm. So we have to find ways of making it less traumatic for ourselves. But, you know, I come from a very political and religious family and, and you know, these two things creates a lot of conflict. So I've always been around conflict, physical and psychological and spiritual. So I've lived within a kind of conflict environment 
and I tend to gravitate towards conflict. <laughs> gravitate or cause? <laughs> well, both, of course. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wasn't like a really, really bad troublemaker, but you know, I like seeing you know troublemakers, and I used to be quite good friends with all the troublemakers and bullies, if that makes sense. So yeah, I, I you know I love conflict. It's weird, isn't it? That is weird. Do you think, as someone who thinks they have sort of quite high emotional intelligence, how do you deal with that conflict? It's difficult, you know. You know, you do burn out, you do get stressed, you do get fucked up. So it's sort of realizing what your character is and what your personality mm. is and who you are mm. and what is your internal makeup and internal, mm. let's say, compass and values. That's really, really important. And for most of my life, I'd say I'd let other people define who I am rather than me defining who I am. Mm. So that took me a long time. And, you know, the major burnout that I went through was because I stopped listening to what other people were telling me who I was. You know, I wasn't the ophthalmologist. I wasn't the father. I wasn't the son. I wasn't all these sort of things that people labeled me as. And I started looking within to find out who I truly was. So, you know, I'm, I'm finding out that I'm shedding a lot of labels and a lot of layers of the onion of myself mm. that have been put on by other people and uh, finding myself. And so, you know, I mean, it's a continuous journey. That's what I'm trying to say, you know, whenever the finished product and whenever the finished article. So what that means is that, you know, this job or this definition or this salary, or this status, or this goal doesn't define you. You know, mm. you're, you're sort of more than that. So, you know, it does take a lot of hard work. Coming back to your question about emotional intelligence, I, you know, we are emotional beings. And I think the most successful human beings on the planet are the ones who are in tune with their emotion more than their intellect. Mm. I met a really, really lovely Dr. Lorraine Dickey, and it's worth getting her on the podcast. And she's a, a head of a neonatology and children that die. And she's uh, founded this uh, company called the Narrative Initiative, where it, essentially they sort of sit down and talk about what their name means to them. Mm. Because, you know, you know, your name is very powerful to you. And what it means to you is your perspective of yourself. So when you describe the perspective of you to other people, they, they understand you a bit more. Mm. You know, that's why you get angry. That's why you get frustrated. That's why you get stressed out. So they understand who you are. And, you know, that's related to emotion. Mm. It's not related to intellect. It has nothing to do with intellect. You know, you have all these emotions which you've invested in yourself, in your name, in your being. And that tells people who you are. And, you know, she gave me this band which says on it, perspective is reality. Mm -hmm. And emotion trump logic. Yeah. And that was really powerful for me. So I had, you know, I had her on my podcast and, you know, she's been in the game for, for over 30 years. Yeah, she says that there's not enough caring in healthcare. That was her message. Certainly not for the carers, I think. Well, for everyone. I mean, mm -hmm. you, know, you know, she had a life-changing physical disability and then she experienced the healthcare in the US she's uh, based in uh, Pennsylvania and yeah I mean there's just not enough care mm. it's because the perspective is not there 
and, and I think and, there's a lot of organizational stress as well yeah I mean the organizational pressure. stress comes from the leadership as you know Rachel you know organizations are made up of people in leadership and if the people in leadership do not have that emotional intelligence and do not have that encompassing perspective of their workers the organization will suffer mm-hmm. so I'm generalizing obviously most of our leaders in healthcare are there because they're willing to step up and do the work mm-hmm. rather than them having the skill to be in positions of leadership. And what happens is they're forced to learn these skills of leadership yes. on the job. Yes. They learn them very, very quickly. I think. You know, you've got to learn very quickly. And what they're doing is that they're learning about themselves mm-hmm. in these positions of leadership. Yeah, so there's, I guess there's a reason why a lot of the sort of leadership courses that are run through the NHS have, a lot, have quite a big component on sort of self-discovery and they do, you know, personality profiles and things like that. Yeah, de- definitely. I mean, it's, it's really important because you need to know why you're being triggered by this person or this situation or this incident. There's something in you that you haven't realized that you need to realize very, very quickly. And, uh, you know, sort of simplifying things, we have most of what we do is controlled unconsciously. And the secret in life is to make that unconscious knowledge conscious. Mm. How can we do that? Well, I mean, for me, it's sort of switching off the mind and, you know, switching off the mind chatter. And for me, that's exercise really does it for me. I mean, that's how I wrote my book, Physician on Fire, uh, because I knew that. I wouldn't be able to write the really personal stuff in my life uh, and the personal stories that I went through unless I switch off the internal dialogue in my head and I have to go into my emotion and my spirit, or as I call the third eye, you know, which is just sound bites basically. So, and that comes from experience because I knew that when I was jogging or doing exercise, I, I get these amazing insights into myself and these sort of amazing all right i get it now Mm. okay so that's why i did this when this happened that's why i totally lost it with this person that's why i fucked up this situation that's why i totally i was a total c-word to this other person Mm. I i started you know joining the dots you know exercise for me is a lifesaver it really is and and just being honest man Mm. just being fucking honest you know, because we're all messed up, you know, <laughs> we're all broken and we're all, um, I think it's getting better though. You know, some people say, you know, as, as we get older, we, we have more baggage and so on. I think, yeah, if you just keep going the way you're going, then it does get worse. And I think, you know, your spirit does die and psychologically it gets worse. And then that in turn translates into physical disability. So, you know, the kind of triangle I have is, is you know, if you, your spirit is not alive, you get psychologically damaged, which eventually leads to physical damage. And it sort of makes sense because, you know, if you're not in the right place, you'll start doing unhealthy habits, mm-hmm. which will eventually break down your body. And one of the issues with, with doctors is that we sort of overcomplicate things. Mm. And, you know, I've always loved simplifying everything because it it just feels right simplifying things and you know the moment i see complexity i i sort of mm, not interested some people love complexity it's just that you know that's my personality i love to simplify things 
And as you know, I'm the same personality type as you. So I'm, I'm a very feeling intuition, extroverted, perceptual person, mm-hmm. you know, because, because I know that's who I am. So when it comes to complexity, when it comes to systemization, and when it comes to spreadsheets, that's not who I am. So it's about working on yourself, which, which isn't sexy, which isn't uh, easy. Uh, and it takes a long time. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I was interested in you said that when you started to have your burnout, it was when you started to actually connect with your emotions. Do yeah. you think you sort of have to go down down with the whole thing before you can start to come back up again well yes yes i mean definitely i mean you know that's like the natural process isn't it you know you've got to press that reset button and when you press the reset button for example in the computer everything goes blank (laughs) (laughs) yeah you know it just shuts off and then you sit there and think right you know nothing's happening and then you gotta like restart all over again Mm. and i think the secret to life is that you've got to keep resetting and keep unlearning what you've learned, mm. you know, which is a bit frustrating, but it's also exciting at the same time because it just makes life that much more interesting. Yeah. Don't See, you think? I do think so. And I think this whole emotional intelligence thing is so, so important. But I think, like you said, it can leave you quite vulnerable if you really start to understand your emotions. I think there's one thing about, you know, carrying on if you're feeling stressed, you just sort of push everything down and you ignore it and you ignore it and you ignore it and you carry on, you carry on. And then suddenly it just overwhelms you because you can't push it down forever. Can you? Yeah. I mean, I think it's important not to get to those situations because we're, Mm. you know, as in you just keep going, going because it just gets worse and worse and worse. And, you know, the unconscious is very powerful Mm. and it will keep bugging you until you get it. Yeah, you know, yeah. and that will come through dreams. It will come through psychic unrest. It will come through essentially psychotic events or hallucinations. You know, that's on the extreme side of things. Mm. Okay, I mean, I didn't have any of those symptoms, but you know, I did have suicidal thoughts. So, so when you have suicidal thoughts, that's the psyche telling you something. Mm. Do you know what I mean? There's something going on there you haven't processed. Now, the issue with vulnerability, it's a double-edged sword because you've got to speak to someone and you've got to trust that someone to be vulnerable to them because us as human beings, you know, our evolutionary ancestry, if you're vulnerable, you're pretty much going to die. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. it's like mm, back in the day, you know, you had your tribe, your close-knit tribe, which was made up of either 10 or 20 or a maximum of 50 people. And you can totally trust them. You know, you can be vulnerable with them. And that allowed you to be emotionally stable. So then you can be physically stable. And, you know, in the previous podcast, you were talking about, you know, previously in medicine, you know, we had that close-knit family of colleagues that we can be vulnerable to, can be really close to, so that we can share with them all our emotional terms. Are you constantly stressed and thinking about work? Does your laptop come with you on holiday? Your to-do list have permanent residence in your brain and your worry about how to handle the latest crisis wake you up in the small hours. Then it's time to get your life back and that's exactly what our brand new online course will help you do. 
It's a 60-minute reset for healthcare professionals to shift your mindset so you can set boundaries and limits around your work without the endless guilt that you've not done enough. It's just £27 and you can get instant access now when you go to shapestoolkit.com slash getyourlifeback. Now, you know, it's, it's much more difficult. Plus, you've got social media that comes in which kind of disrupts this sort of emotional, real emotional vulnerability because we still haven't worked out, you know, this digital interaction yet. Mm. You know, it's still not like for human beings, we're, we're still working it out. We don't know what the results are of, of all these sort of digital interfaces and digital interventions on the human psyche. So, you know, plus we've got artificial intelligence coming in, which is going to disrupt healthcare. Mm -hmm. You know, how is that going to affect healthcare interaction between the caregiver and and the care receiver? Mm -hmm. So, you know, there is a lot of disruption going on. So, you know, I'm a fan of back to basics. But yeah, going back to my point, vulnerability is very risky, but you need to have people that you totally trust to be vulnerable too. And I feel, I mean, this is just a feeling on my side. You know, I feel people are less trustworthy because those evolutionary... um, capabilities that we've developed over hundreds of thousands of years are being um, challenged by these sort of new artificial um, interactions. I don't know. What do you think? I I think vulnerability is really, really important. I talk about vulnerability a lot when we talk about the fact that there's not enough conflict, enough enough constructive conflict within our teams, because we're scared to disagree with each other because we don't trust each other. And you need to have this vulnerability-based trust where... I can trust that if I had a big disagreement with you, that would yeah. be fine because yeah. actually we know each other well, we can forgive each other. And actually it's good to have these disagreements and get things out in the open. But I think a lot of, a lot of doctors really, really fear that and don't do conflict very well and fear that, you know, if they disagree with someone or if they conflict or have a, a difficult discussion, it's impacting on them as a person rather yeah. than actually it's just about the job. We find it very difficult to separate mm-hmm. ourselves, yeah. ourselves yeah. out. So I think, being vulnerable is really important. I, I used to, when I was sort of talking to lots of different GPs, sort of go around saying, oh, you know, this is what I'm struggling with. This is what I'm struggling with. And people say, gosh, Rachel, it's really, really helpful when you said that you were struggling with it as well. And I started to feel that I was probably put on God's earth just to tell people about struggles so that it was okay for other people to feel that they could say that they were struggling as well. Yeah, yeah. I think modeling vulnerability is pretty much the best way to. Yeah, I mean, that's what made me survive a lot is that, you know, because I was so close to the other person, I can feel their vulnerability and I can feel their emotion and I can feel what they're doing. And, you know, that I I knew I can be vulnerable with that person there and then. Mm. So, but that's because I've always been honest with myself and the greatest time when I felt burnt out, which is when I was in Iraq doing my charity work, you know, it was, it was my dream job. You know, I, I'd worked all my life to become a surgeon and to help my people back home because, you know, coming from a political family where we had 54 members of our family executed for a belief system, you know, that was a powerful incentive for me to do what I did mm. because it was so powerful for me as a, as a human being with, with all these set of values. And then when I was in my ideal job, you know, saving sight for thousands of Iraqis, disadvantaged Iraqis, inside of me, you know, I sort of knew that, do you know what, 
this isn't me anymore. And that was because my sort of ideology changed as well. You know, I, I felt that I wasn't this person that I was told I was. You know, I didn't believe really in this ideology. And yet I wasn't listening to myself because it meant I had to go against what I'd done previously. Right. And but because I wasn't listening to myself, I just I just burnt out, become miserable. Mm. So yeah, you've got to really the thing is the, the answers are inside of you, if you know what I mean. Mm. You know, and sometimes we have to go out there to find ourselves, which is why I think it, you know, it is worth going to to inspirational speakers, motivational speakers, because that just gives you answers as to where you need to be and what you need to do. Mm. But you have to be vulnerable enough for yourself in order to accept that and change. And as you know, I mean, you know, saying is one thing, but actually doing it is just totally different. Mm. You know, talking about meditation, having the theory of meditation, reading the books is one thing, but actually doing it is just totally different. Yeah. And it's just so difficult. And my answer to that would be, you know, I was you know, g giving a talk and I said, look, when you give a good talk, there's normally two or three things you remember from it. And that's it. So I'm going to start my talk off by telling you the three things you need to remember from this talk you know, before all the spiel. And like, what, the were, first, they? what, were, your th what were your three things? Well, I told him to fuck it. <laughs> Yeah. Have you read the fuck it book by John yeah. Parkin? Yeah. 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 I, I said, guys, you know, the first thing is fuck it. And the second thing is just do it. Mm. And the third thing, I couldn't remember it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you can't remember your own three points, <laughs> you've probably got to get rid of the ones you can't remember as a speaker, I'm guessing. I was, I was like, I can't remember the third thing because I, because I was so like, man, just, you know, you don't just make it simple and do it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know, we do stop ourselves. We do yeah. stop ourselves from from doing the things we know we we got to do. Yeah. Okay, so if there's some doctors, lawyers, GPs listening to this going, yeah, I completely get that and I understand that and I can see, but actually I've got this really busy job. I don't have any time to just stop. I've got three kids in private school I've got this I've got that I cannot and I do not have the time just to stop and think what little things would you tell them to do just to start them on this journey come and speak to me <laughs> <laughs> they Get need some... a shake up they need a shake up you know they need to stop telling them those stories mm. that they can't do it that's just a story that's just a story and you know stories are very powerful you know stories are what makes us and stories are what breaks us and those are stories you're telling yourself that's breaking you. Okay. You know, it's not more complicated than that. You need to speak to a friend mm. and say, look, I'm in this situation. You know, it boils down to that sort of previous comment. You know, you need to speak to someone that you can be vulnerable to. Yeah. Yeah. We don't have that connection anymore. Yeah. I think connecting is well, it's one of the ways to well-being that I talk about all the time. And I think we, f we forget about how important it is to connect regularly with people that get us. Yeah. And I guess if they get us, we know that we can be vulnerable with them. And in fact, I guess some of my friends actually know me better than I know myself because I'll sit down yeah. and go, yeah, blah, blah. And I think you're doing this and that. And they just look at me and go, no, 
that is ridiculous Rachel you shouldn't yeah. do that or you sh- you should do this and I'll go oh you know what yeah you're yeah right. I mean my best friend right now is my son because I can oh. say whatever I you know I can to him mm. and he'll say dad no that's bullshit and it sort of wakes me up and you know I've always had someone who I was really really close to I mean you know before it was my mum I'd tell her everything Mm. you know when I was growing up mm-hmm. uh, and I was a very very talkative child and I used to talk about everything you know just like left right and center and she told me about everything as well about all the gossip and this and that and the other and I used to just love that shit mm. you know so my coping mechanism is I, used to, I chat about everything to someone I totally trust and it just gets mm. all that off my chest mm. and I'm a bit of a wuss you know you know, I do like to chat about everything and about every people. <laughs> <laughs> but that's my coping me- uh, mechanism. Yeah. And, and when I stopped doing that, that's when I really, and I didn't realize that that was my way of coping. But for me, I, you know, I, I have someone I, I know I can chat about anything to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that's such a great relief. Yeah, I think coaching can be a good way as well. I know when I was sort of feeling really, oh, well, I don't understand. I don't, don't know what to do. I don't know who I am etc coach really helped me because they've got techniques and things to really sort of bring it to your mind and it wasn't until we got out the, the picture cards I went oh my goodness I can see the difference between these two cards <gasps> what am I doing type thing it was really yeah helpful. yeah I mean when I was in Iraq and I was going through my severe burnout it, it, it was a life coach that got me out of it mm. so yeah and he changed my perspective essentially mm. I just saw it I just saw everything in a different light mm. and you know, I, I just put on a different lens. Yeah. And everything just looked differently. Yeah. And, I, and I, you know, I sort of got it. Uh, you know, that's sort of on the outside world. But then eventually you find that you have to look within mm. to find, you know, your answers. Yeah. And, you know, it's not very sexy. It's not very, um, one, one would say practical because we're all different, you see, Rachel. You know, that's the thing. Mm. You know, we're all different. And... And as you said, not everyone gets us. And I, I think if you can have one or two people that sort of really get you, you know, I think, and, and it's worth working on those one or two people just mm. to find them mm. and, you know, keep going back to them. So just I'm sort of noticing the time, if you could remember three points or one, it will pass on three pieces of wisdom to, to a doctor who was just feeling like, oh, crumbs, I'm just going and going and going is stress burnout going to be inevitable what three things would you say to them they should do so the first thing is i mean this this always worked for me is just to concentrate on your breathing okay so breathing is really really important if you get any kind of tension in your in your shoulders in your arms in your muscles um, you just feel something building up inside of you find an easy practice that you can do at any time to get back into your breathing and I, I think the moment you do that, it really does change, okay. you know, your perspective. Secondly, everything is temporary, mm. literally. Everything is temporary, whether we like it or not. It comes and goes. Yeah. Whatever the fuck is happening right now, it's temporary. And the third thing, which is the thing that I love to do the most, is have so much fun. Yeah, have fun. Just bloody Absolutely. have fun, like fuck's sake, you know. If I'm sort of really down, not it's not going well, I just had an argument, this didn't work out, that didn't work out, whatever it was, 
you know, in sort of in every situation that you know that I'm in, I always find the fun side or the funny side of things, and you know, I always have a laugh about something. Mm. I, you know, I, I remember we had a child that came in in Iraq. He lost both his parents in a car bomb. He lost one eye, totally gone. The other eye uh, had to be saved in surgery, and he was only nine. And he was laughing. He was sort of jovial and he was having a laugh. And I'm thinking, oh my, you know, is he, is there something psychologically wrong with him? But when I sort of talked to him, you know, he, he sort of took it in his stride. You know, that was his way of coping with that really, really stressful situation. I thought, fuck, you know, if, if this guy can, can find the light, hearted side of things to any situation then you know so can i mm. and that's a powerful way of coping with mm. with a lot of stresses so that was really really um you know insightful for me yeah. so yeah have fun and you know find the funny side to things of everything brilliant great thank you so much for being on the podcast it's really we could just talk for hours and hours and hours about this sort of stuff i'm really interested in the spirituality stuff i'm really interested in the is it inevitable that we're all going to be stressed and burnt out so we'll have to get you back on and lovely yeah yeah i, I can speak more. for hours <laughs> so if someone wanted to contact you how could they find you and what yes else you got out there? absolutely they can check my website out it's the third I have a podcast called Surgical Spirit. We have lots of interesting doctors on there. We've had you on there, which is going to come out soon. And that was really, really interesting. And yeah, I'm on LinkedIn. You can check me out and Twitter and Instagram. I'm everywhere, basically. Wow. You know, I'm like the leech that keeps sucking. <laughs> no, you're the surprise that keeps popping up on all my social media channels. <laughs> yeah, I'm an irritation. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you so much. And we'll talk again soon. Thank you so much, Rachel. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, then please do subscribe to the podcast and also please rate it on iTunes so that other people can find it too. Do follow me on Twitter at Dr. Rachel Morris and you can find out more about the face-to-face and online courses which I run on the youarenotafrog.co.uk website. Bye for now. <laughs>